So I went to the movies with this girl, and she says to me, starting off a story in the middle with just some weird talking is strange. I didn't think so, because it lets the author just jump in, start telling his story. No ambling around with weather and weird bullshit-like descriptions of trees or buildings. Bam! Somebody says something and you're off to the races. Nothing better than that. She thinks it's rude. Rude and strange. Does she think I'm rude and strange? I did not bother to ask. We had been told too many times already to be quiet while the movie was playing. Welcome to the Band Library Podcast. Welcome to the Band Library Podcast. My name is S.T. Harker, librarian, writer, uh, other things. Occasionally, there's been some life changes going around, and normally I talk about books that have been banned or censored, but, no, fuck that. Have you ever been outside in the summer? Like, right in the middle of it. Sun shining. The birds are looking at you, licking their lips. Knives in their little bird hands, and you can tell if given the chance those knife-wielding birds would take you out. They would show you a good time with those knives of theirs. They would buy you dinner and hold the door for you, and ask you questions about your parents and siblings and where you grew up. Sexy-ass birds looking to build a knife nest with you. What are they thinking? Anyway. There's a heat wave that happened here in the Pacific Northwest. A heat dome, I heard it called. My granny Wendy would have called it a baked potato of a day. Power lines were melting. Dogs could not touch the sidewalks. Little yellow men could not dance their little yellow men dance under the full moon because the moon too had melted. It tripped and dropped down the sky and into the Pacific Southwest Ocean. I escaped to the theater. I saw a play called F9, colon, The Fast Saga. I took that girl I was talking about and talking to earlier. She was hot, too. The kind of hot that makes you call your mom and ask what's for supper. The kind of hot that makes your pants have two legs and go from your waist to your ankles. This girl was so hot that the heat dome, that beautiful bastard, caused her to sweat. So we went to the movies, me and this girl, and we sat there. Here's what happens in F9, also known as Fast and Furious 9, also known as Let's Put a Car in Space and Not Be a Dick About It, like that Edison guy. Vin Diesel and his family bring people back from the dead, kill tons of people with magnets, invent some more family members, and then go to space, all because Kurt Russell told them to. As well they should have. Throughout the movie, I sat wondering, what can't a car do? Strap a rocket to it, 
instant rocket car capable of going to space and seeing the moon from before times. Back before it melted and became one with the immortal ocean and hatched the Lord of Mayhem's dancing brethren, the little yellow men. Back before Cheetos even had a chili flavor. Strap some pontoons on a car... And you have a pontoon car floating in that same ocean, riding the waves like the great Bodhisattva in Johnny Utah. When men were surfers and surfers found joy in simple waves. What else can you strap to a car? Bricks. Strap some bricks to a car. See how far that gets you. Wings. Not as good as rockets, but they'll get you where you need to be if you have enough lift and propulsion. I guess depending on the car, you could change things up a bit. Get you a little car like a Mini Cooper. You could make that thing into a cannonball. Of course, you would need a big fuck-off cannon. But as my Granny Wendy always said, you can always find a bigger cannon. Get you a big car like a taco truck. Then you could serve tacos. But anyway, back to the movie. Man, is there anything those guys can't do with a car? At one point, John Cena's like, I'm your brother and stuff. And Ludacris hits him with a car. Just picks up this car and is like, this is for Han. And Han is like, thanks, Luda. And Luda's like, not you, I'm in Han Solo. Killed by his own kid, that's fucked up. Then this other time, Charlize Theron... She's in a jet, and she's got missiles, because fuck yeah, she does. And Vin Diesel is in this tanker truck thing, and Charlize says Max. Because she was in that movie with Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Then she blows it up, because that's not Max, that's Vin Diesel. Don't know why she confused the two. And that reminds me of the time my Granny Wendy ate a man named Max outside a bar in San Pedro, Spain, and back in the before time. Pull up a chair and let's talk. As you all know, my Granny Wendy is, was, and always will be a Wendigo from the swamps of Louisiana. She ate people. It wasn't nice and the family don't talk about it much. She weren't some monster or anything. She made a mean pecan pie and the best cafe au lait you ever had. But when the mood took her in the dead of the night... Old Granny Wendy would leave her little shack and roam the trees in the Spanish moss, hide among the branches of the live oaks, and want for travelers to walk under. Heaven help you if you walked under my cannibal granny when her mood was up. One Halloween, she had a whole group of folks dressed like a Scooby-Doo gang. You know, Fred, Daphne, Velma, the dog. Two guys were in the dog costume and she ate them balls to brain. But that was later on in her life, after she'd had a dozen kids and lost five of them in the swamp. Had one of my parents taught me how to read. Before all that, she'd been traveling Europe with a troop of circus librarians. That's not where she got the whole flesh-eating thing. Don't worry about that bit until we get to the part with the guy in the front of the church. Max, in case you forgot. So there she is, my granny Wendy. And this is the way she told it. I won't do her voice. It's kind of creepy and, well, off-putting is a good term. 
Now I won't use all the grunts and whistles my granny would do. If I did all those, like I said, y'all might turn this whole thing off. If you haven't already. Well, for those that stuck around, have another drink and let's settle in. They had just gotten to Spain, a little town called San Pedro. One of those places with two-story rows of houses, lots of stucco, and railings in those twisted black iron filigrees. All those streets of these rows of buildings twisting and winding around and around, built in a circle. In the middle of the circle was a large plaza, with a fountain and a church, like there usually is. Fountain had a sculpture in it, like they usually do, man holding the head of a goat. Church had a god. Not a good one. There wasn't one in the town that night. There wasn't one the town thought it was. The circus librarians, they set up in the plaza. They had some tumblers, few clowns, not the usual bozo types, but the ones with faces painted all sad. They had a book carts that they spun around and around, Juggling books and VHS tapes. There was a demonstration of acrobatics, those tumblers dancing all around, flipping and juggling library cards and all kinds of shit. Granny Wendy was in a cage off to the side. She was bendy with legs and arms stretching all over. Classic Granny. Not a librarian, but she liked to read. Would do this thing where she read from Baudelaire, while in a box one foot by one foot by one foot. It really made people think. People who think they like to think, anyway. From what I heard, it was interesting in Spanish with all those th sounds. Her thorns, Granny called it. And this man, Max. He came by all the time. Young guy, maybe in his twenties, but Granny was always bad with things like that. Ages. She said we all looked the same to her. Her family and the crowds and the people that fed her ravenous hunger for man flesh. What caught her eye, Max would never listen to her read. He just watched her climb out of the box. She said he would watch her climb out holding his breath, and when she got out, he would sigh. The others in the crowd would cheer, but he would look so happy to see that she was okay. So one night, she watches him do the same thing he always did. Watch her while she reads, and she gets so mad. She does this for a week straight, and he's watching her, and she's hoping and staring and not breathing. And caring. At least that's what I think. I think he cared that she was okay. That's what I think, anyway. Family can be like that. Caring that you make it out okay. That you are safe. Which reminds me of a scene in Fast Nine. There's a bit in there where the family, the crew, and what have you, they're in this base. They just captured the bad guy, a man named John Cena. Talked about him already. He's in a cage, a box of sorts. He's also the long-lost brother of protagonist Dom. Thrown out, excommunicated from the family. After some macho shit talk, someone else enters. Guy named Han. Talked about him, too. Luda was friends with him. 
Everyone thought he was dead. Killed by Jason Satham, who's off on his own movie franchise now. But he just walks in all cool, eating peanuts. Brought back from Tokyo, which I'm pretty sure in the Fast and the Furious universe is equivalent to the afterlife. Dom sees this former dead guy, Han, and they hug. Not one of those macho things where everybody grunts and pats each other on the back. This is a real caring embrace. Han was dead. He was missed. He was gone. And now he has returned. And Cena, who got kicked out long ago from the family, watches this family reunited. And it's touching. My granny Wendy would have hated it. The only time she hugged anyone was to squeeze the life from them. To hear their bones pop and their screams turn to raspy death wails. Ask my uncle about it when he gets back from Tokyo. To this guy, Max, he gets under Granny's skin because he cares. That's what I think. Nobody else cares that she's in that box reading French poetry capturing the death of the natural world. No one wonders if she's okay in that little box. But Max does. She invites him to dinner. They go and they eat tapas and they talk. And this man, Max, he's quiet, but he makes her laugh. Over the food, he tells her he loves her. She tells him she loves him. He smiles a quiet smile. Then he takes her back to the box in the square in the church of the town of San Pedro. The sun is down. Shadows are up. They kiss a soft kiss that becomes more. A need, a hunger, a desire for more. Max makes love to my Granny Wendy on that cold stone plaza. Her screams of pleasure echo in the stucco walls of the homes and of the church. His screams join hers and then hers end in his grow in pitch as she begins to eat. I don't know if my Granny Wendy ever truly found love. I know she taught me things. Reading. Writing. Divining the secrets of the library. Maybe that was her love. Anyway. Must have been weird to be in the town of San Pedro that week, huh? First there's all these circus librarians painted up and throwing books and shit. Then loud fucking in the middle of the night that turns into bloody murder with bloody bodies splattered all over the town square. Man, imagine waking up to that shit. I can. All too well. And that's the episode for this week. Stay cool, kids. Thank you for listening. Stay in. Read a book. Music, Dances and Dames, by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons.